0: Hello, this send the light, is Michael Bolton with the Send the Light lady, podcast. I'm recording like from my world personal world office evermore. at the Cedar Terrace Church of Christ, where I work and serve as an evangelist. I am not with our brother Matt Tyson today, he had other appointments that he had to attend to. Um, So I am all alone, but uh, I wanted to begin a series that may be of interest to our viewers. Before we do, though, the purpose for our podcast is to advertise the congregation here that meets at 2543 Cedar Terrace Drive in Waterloo, Iowa, we assemble each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We assemble each Wednesday night at 7 p.m. We also have tons of free material that we would be thrilled to share with you. We want to reach out into the community, into the Cedar Valley area, and talk to people, to individuals, and hopefully share the gospel with them and share the truth of the Word of God with them and make a difference in their lives let us have a prayer. Father, we thank you for the day that you've given to us. We thank you for this opportunity and for the technology that we have to serve you in this way. We pray, Lord, that our words will spark interest among those who hear and will cause them to dig deeper into your precious word. We recognize it as our final authority, and we know that we will be judged by the things that we say or do in response to it. So we ask you for your blessing today. In Jesus' name, amen. In Acts chapter 2, and verse 42, uh, right after the end of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, we find this passage. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. We understand that God was pleased with their actions. We believe that if we do as they did, God will be pleased with our actions. I want to lay some foundations for this series. First of all, God has supreme authority over all of his creation. He expects worship. He has authorized the kind of worship that he expects, and he regulates what he has authorized. Now, these principles are seen in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. In Romans 15 In verse 4, the Apostle Paul writes, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through the perseverance and encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 6, Now these things happened as examples for us that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. We need to learn from the Old Testament is what the Apostle Paul is saying. We should understand that what God has spoken is what he expects man to do in worship to him. And there's two Old Testament examples that I want to turn your attention to. That of Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus chapter 10, verse one through three, and that of Uzzah, uh, uh, one of the king's men in 2 Samuel chapter six, verses five through seven. Nadab and Abihu offered fire to God from a source that he had not instructed. And they were immediately and severely judged. Uzzah and company were in the process of moving the Ark of the Testimony in a fashion that was not instructed. Uzzah was well-intentioned and attempted to sturdy the Ark when it was shaken on the ox cart, and God judged him immediately because of this. What we learn from these is that when God has spoken on a topic, he has said all that he is going to say. God has spoken on the kind of music that he desires in the New Testament era. This is the limit of what man may offer and be accepted to God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, the Apostle Paul says, Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. In Colossians 3, verse 16 and 17, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with gratefulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, given thanks to God the Father through him. In the name of always means, uh, has a reference to the authority. From these two passages, we learn that God has authorized singing in worship to him. But a serious problem occurs when men who are well-intentioned, like Uzzah was, begin to add to what God has authorized. How does this apply to our text in Acts 2, verse 42? It starts out saying, And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Singing is a form of teaching, it's a beautiful way of communicating God's message to mankind. It's a wonderful way to communicate encouragement to each other or correction at times. Singing in worship falls under the heading of the apostles' teaching. Today, we're considering singing in the assembly of the church. What kind of singing does God expect? Looking closer at Ephesians 5, 19, we see that God says our singing should be, should consist of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. This is another way of saying sacred music. It means that our singing is to be of a godly nature in our worship. We're authorized, therefore, to sing songs that praise God, songs that bring glory to him. Songs are poems that are set to music. They do not have to be passages from the Word of God, though with the right talent, verses can be set to music and utilized in worship and edification. God instructs us that our singing is to one another. That means that we sing in the assembly so that all can hear and be edified. Now look closer at Colossians 3, verse 16. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom. These are contained in things pertaining to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the words of Christ. The things pertaining to the teachings of Christ and his apostles, things for edification. Teaching and admonishing. Our singing is much more than empty words of vain repetition. I once heard that uh, a group who comes together to sing praises to God should sing the same line over and over repetitiously until someone is moved emotionally. That's not what the scripture teaches. Our songs, our singing is not to be repetitious. We sing with purpose. We have the same lines, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. They mean the same here as they did in in Ephesians 5, words that are set to music and sang in the assembly. We learn from Colossians 3 that the purpose behind this act of worship is to admonish. Now admonish doesn't only mean to correct. It also means to encourage or build up. And then we see in these two passages of Scripture that we have only one accompaniment mentioned in Ephesians 5, and another one mentioned in Colossians 3. Ephesians 5, only the heart is mentioned. Colossians 3, the heart is given as well as gratefulness. Our singing then is to be accompanied with our heart and gratefulness, and absolutely there's much to be grateful for. Redemption, the church, Jesus Christ His sacrificed, and the list can go on and on. And I think the idea of singing from the heart or with the heart is expressed well in John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, where Jesus says to the woman at the well in Samaria, But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. At the very least, this principle teaches us to worship God with a single focus, on God. So our singing in the assembly of the church does edify each other. But our purpose is expressly to praise and worship our Creator and Redeemer. But here's the catch. Those two things we mentioned as, as being authorized in Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3 are the only things in the Word of God, our final authority, that gives tells us what is to accompany our singing. That's all, no more, the heart, and gratefulness. Churches all over the world use instrumental musics to uh, instruments to accompany their, their singing. Does this mean that many people are facing the judgment of God? I'll let you decide that, and ultimately, God will decide that. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter there through it. For the gate is narrow, and the way is constricted that leads to life, and there are few who find it. It's a narrow gate and a narrow way that leads to life. But man has broadened this way by their own innovation. We often want things in our worship that sounds pleasing to us. We often want to put things in our worship that we think is a good idea. But too often, these things are not what God has authorized God has not authorized instrumental music to accompany our singing in worship. Therefore, we should not use them. Singing and authorized singing in the assembly of the saints consist only of heart and voice. Now, various encyclopedias of church history inform us that instrumental accompaniment is a late innovation. These things were not allowed in Christian worship until the 5th or 6th centuries. Many great reformers and various church leaders have acknowledged that the early church did not employ instruments in their worship, but the greatest protest to instrumental accompaniment is from the absolute silence of scripture regarding them. All the passages in the New Testament which mention Christian musical worship authorize only singing, and it's interesting that there's only seven that mention this. Acts 16, verse 25, Paul and Silas were praying about midnight and singing hymns of praise to God. Romans 15, 9 is a quote from the Old Testament where Paul says, Therefore I will give praise to you among the Gentiles and I will sing praise to your name. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the mind. I will sing with the Spirit. And I will sing with the mind. Ephesians 5 19 and Colossians 3 16, we've read already. Hebrews 2.12, I will recount your name to my brothers. In the midst of the assembly I will sing your praise. James 5, verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Note carefully what is not there. Musical instruments. There's no guitar. No drums, no piano, no organ, nothing but heart and voice. But men say that musical instruments were used in the Old Testament, that's correct. God allowed, perhaps approved of them. But we live under a different covenant. A new and better law has taken the place of the law of Moses. Listen, it is inconsistent to refer to the Old Testament for one practice and reject all the other requirements of the Old Testament. In other words if a person is going to go to the Old Testament for one single practice that same person is obligated to accept the entire Old Testament law. Notice carefully what the apostle Paul says in Galatians 5 and verse 3. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. What is this passage saying? What this passage is saying is that if you're going to go to the Old Testament for one practice you must also keep all the other laws of the Old Testament. You're not entitled to go to the Old Testament and select only the things that you like. Our conclusion then should be that instruments of music are sinful in worship today because there's no New Testament authorization for them. Finally, we see that the entire system of worship in the Old Testament was established on a worship by proxy. The priest in the Old Testament had to make sacrifice for the people. The priest had to give burnt offerings for the people. The priest alone could enter the presence of God on the behalf of others. No no individual Israelite was allowed to do these things for themselves. However, today, we pray to God directly. Today, we sing and worship ourselves. Today, we're saved individually, not in a group. So the final question remains, what will you do? Will you forsake your instrumental musical worship? Will you worship God in spirit and truth as he has asked asked you to do? Or will you, like so many people, reject God's law? I want to thank you for your attention. I realize that this has been a relatively short uh, podcast video. I apologize if the quality is not what you're used to. I'm recording from my phone in my office. I hope that it's at least... uh, acceptable enough for you to be edified and to ask questions. The next time that I come to you alone, I will be talking to you about the teaching, the form of teaching that is to be done in the assembly. Until then, this is Michael Bolton without Matt Tyson for for Send the Light podcast from Cedar Terrace Church of Christ at 2543 Cedar Terrace Drive in Waterloo, Iowa. Our service times are at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings and 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights. We have lots and lots of literature we would like to share with you. Lots of Bible study courses. Just comment in the section below or, or reach out to us in some fashion or other. And may God bless you as you search and do God's will.